Well, Matt, Odie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm very happy to have you and I'm very happy to introduce you to my listeners today. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, my name's Matt Odie. Uh, I'm 27 years old. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And um, at the age of 24, I was diagnosed with uh, stage three testicular cancer. And, um, you know, I don't know if you want me to kind of share my whole entire story with you and you can kind of stop me here and there. It's, it's really up to you how you want me to go with this. Um, yes, if you want to start maybe of how you learned about your diagnosis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll kind of I'll just like kind of share my entire story in like a timeline. And then if you want to stop me for any reason, go for it. So. Okay. All right. So we're going to go to a very important date. It's March 17th of 2016, 24 years old, uh, it's St. Patrick's Day, I'm out at the bars with all my friends, and I end up running into a beautiful girl, and her name was Lauren. Mm -hmm. So we get to talking, and you know, as the night goes on, I buy her a couple drinks, and eventually we get each other's number. And, uh, you know, ended up kicking off from there. So a couple of weeks goes by, we go on a couple dates, about a month goes by, we are officially dating. And we're doing all these summer activities from, you know, hiking to kayaking. I'm a personal trainer at the time. I'm 185 pounds, working out six to seven days a week. Um, always just very active, very fit. <clears throat> and very healthy lifestyle. Stunning. Yes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I started to notice these minor back pains. And um, summer's progressing, and uh, a lot of the activities that we usually did, I just couldn't, you know, keep doing. And Lauren and my parents were getting a little concerned. They said, hey, you should probably go to a doctor. But me being 24 years old, super fit, I'm like, you know, it could just be lifting, could be anything. So I just let it go, mm -hmm. of course. And uh, as the months progressed, it got worse and worse until one night. I was over Lauren's house. It was August, uh, I believe, 10th. Mm -hmm. And I ended up waking up, and I started puking up blood. And, you know, within a day or two, I said, you know, I have no choice. I need to go to a hospital here. So I get to the hospital, they do a blood test on me, and they found out that I had lost two thirds of the blood in my body, which is equivalent to a gun wound shot. Oh my God. Yeah. How did so you lose the blood? Uh, bowel movements, puking, um, all of these things. And, uh, you know, so they ended up, you know, trying to figure out why I was losing all this blood. So they brought me to a more advanced hospital where they believed it was an ulcer in my stomach. So they go in, I get a small surgery, um, thinking that the ulcer's over. Before this, though, they end up giving me six bags of blood um, to regain my strength, regain my energy, because I could barely even walk with all the blood that I've lost. So I'm out of this surgery. Um, you know, I'm eating cereal with my parents, thinking it's all over. And then all of a sudden, my doctor walks in with a blank stare in his eyes. And I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. So he walks over to my parents and he says, can I speak to you two in private? And I immediately stopped him and I said, no, whatever you're going to tell them, you can tell me. So he sits down, he grabs my hand, he looks at me and he says, Matt, we have found an 11 centimeter tumor in your small intestine. We need to rush you to the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic immediately. We don't know what type of cancer this is. And, um, you know, we just have to do further testing. And I remember looking over at my parents just crying. And the only thing I could think of at that time was how am I going to be strong for them? How am I going to be strong for Lauren, my friends, my family? This is a really strong and powerful message for all of you guys. Every single one of you is going to get some type of negative news in your life, some type of negative outcome. But you can look at life two ways. You could say, why is this happening to me? Or how is this happening for me? 
I'll say it one more time. Why is this happening to me or how is this happening for me? And if you look at life of how is this happening for me, your perspective, your gratitude, everything completely shifts. So instead of me saying, why am I diagnosed with cancer? I'm saying, how am I going to battle this? And then how am I going to use it to be a better version of myself? So they rush me to the campus, uh, the Cleveland Clinic. They do a bunch of tests. And within a couple of days, they find out that I have stage 3C testicular cancer. C is basically the highest form of testicular cancer. So immediately that day, I have friends and family rushing in. And, uh, you know, I'm still in shock for sure. Um, and I'm, you know, not crying, doing anything. No emotions really coming out until Lauren comes. And I see her and I start getting really nervous because we'd only been dating for maybe two and a half months at that time. So to put this burden on her was like, I don't want to, if she breaks up with me, so be it. If she wants to let go, I completely understand. But instead she literally locked, we locked eyes. We gave each other a hug and I just, we just cried for like at least 20, 30 minutes. And I knew right then she was going to be in my rock throughout this whole entire journey. So that day, yeah. So that day I was put on chemotherapy. Um, I ended up going on five rounds of chemotherapy, which ended up lasting about three months. I ended up losing my hair. I had extreme fatigue, extreme nausea. Um, you know, times where I couldn't get out of bed. I ended up losing my four and a half year old puppy, Duke, who was diagnosed with cancer before me. Um, I took him to all of my chemotherapy sessions, to like all of his chemotherapy sessions before I was even diagnosed. So to lose him was like an absolutely devastating mental battle. But I would say for a week, I started making excuses for myself. I started letting myself down. And all of a sudden one day, I kind of just woke up and I said, is this what Duke would want? Is this what my parents, my friends, my family would want from me? And I said, absolutely not. So I got my ass up off of the bed. Sorry for the language. Got my butt up off the bed. And I literally just went to chemo, started walking more, started to just be more active. And within a, you know, a month or two, I was done with my chemotherapy. And uh, wow. I would say ringing the bell. Um, so when you're done with chemotherapy, you get to ring a bell. It was definitely one of the most gratifying days of my life because I feel like I accomplished so much but I still had another step in my journey to go. So I was very gratified, very excited. And to, you know, signify that my dad said, Hey, we're going to throw an event for you to kind of celebrate your, you know, end of chemotherapy. So every Thanksgiving, um, there's what's called a Turkey trot. It's a five and 10 K race. Thousands of people go to this. So we said, you know, what? we're going to try and gather friends and family to come support you. No idea how many people would show up. We ended up having over 400 people show up at this event. We ended up calling it Mustaches for Matt because when I was diagnosed with cancer, I lost all my hair, but I had this dirty mustache. So my friends <laughs> said, oh, it was bad. It was really bad. But instead of my friends making fun of me, they decided to all grow mustaches. So we said, you know what? We're going to name it Mustaches for Matt. Girls wore fake mustaches. Guys grew their mustaches. It was an awesome event. We had over 400 people come support me, and uh, we all wore T-shirts. Just an amazing, amazing event. Mm-hmm. So after that, um, two weeks later, I go to my oncologist to find my tumor marker because before I said I had an 11 centimeter tumor. So my doctor said, Matt, we have good news and we have bad news. Good news. Your tumor shrunk from 11 centimeters down to three centimeters. Bad news. Your tumor is wrapped around what's called your vena cava. Now your vena cava is basically a main vein that goes from the bottom of your body all the way to your heart. He said, we're gonna have to do a 12 hour surgery to remove this vein, but we're gonna have to have three surgeons involved and we have no idea what the complications are gonna be. So of course now I'm freaking out a little bit. I end up having the surgery uh, in two weeks. So two weeks goes by, I get to the surgery room, 
they do the 12 hour surgery. They end up removing the vena cava. At that point, I went from 185 pound personal trainer going into their surgery. I was 140 pounds. So I lost about 45 pounds coming out of the surgery. I was 190 pounds. So what had happened was when they removed my vena cava, I had massive swelling in my stomach to kind of, I guess, protect my, my organs and everything. Yeah. I remember coming out and it was super difficult to walk, super difficult to do anything. And I knew it was going to be a tough road, but it felt even worse. And I asked the doctor, I said, is this fluid going to drain? He said, yeah, it should eventually drain. So it was draining. They had like a little drain to get the fluid out. And as a couple of weeks go by, so I'm out of the hospital, all of a sudden the draining just stops just like that. I'm in so much pain within 24 hours. They end up having to rush me back to the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic where they end up having to drain seven liters of fluid out of my stomach, oh my causing me to go into complete kidney and liver failure. I had a cone drilled in my head to relieve brain swelling. I had a catheter in my chest and in my neck because they thought I was going to be on dialysis the rest of my life. And I was in a coma for two weeks. Now, I want to share a testament of faith with you guys, and I don't put faith on anybody, but I'm going to share why I know God has a massive purpose for me in life. So while I was in that coma, we had three major prayer services where hundreds of people would go to these churches and just pray for me. Well, in the middle of the last prayer service was the day that I woke up from my coma. And um, this was God saying, Matt, this isn't the end of your journey. This is just the beginning. So I ended up waking up and it wasn't like rainbows and butterflies. It was, I couldn't move an inch. I had a breathing tube shoved down my throat. I had wires hooked everywhere to me. I could blink my eyes. I could wiggle my fingers. That was about it. So a week goes by, I'm making some progress and they take the, um, the tube out of my mouth. I'm able to talk a little bit and I said, you know what? We're going to take one step further and take one of the catheters out of your neck. So they go to take out one of the catheters out of my neck, which is generally a normal procedure. Well, I end up having an air rhythm heartbeat. I end up going into cardiac arrest and they had to do eight minutes of CPR on me where I end up going back into another one week coma. At this point, I end up waking up in the ICU after being there for about a month now and it's Valentine's day. And uh, I just remember seeing flowers and hearts and stuff and uh, not knowing where it was. Once again, I couldn't, couldn't walk, couldn't stand. I had to really pretty much relearn to live my entire life over again. And during this, I had three surgeries on my stomach, which I had uh, basically stitches from my left hip to my right hip. So that was another difficult thing that I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, So from laying in my bed to just sitting took a week, from sitting to standing took a week, from standing to taking my very first steps again took another week. Eventually, I started making small progresses here and there, and I was eventually out of the ICU. So I was in the ICU at this point for probably 35 days. And I got out of the 35 to 40 days. I was out of the ICU and into a recovery room. Well, three days in the recovery room, they said, Matt, you're making great progress. We want to ship you off to our final stage of physical therapy before we get you out of this hospital. Well, as they're shipping me off to my physical therapy, I looked down and my stitches had popped open and my spleen was sticking out of my stomach. I had to go in for a fifth major surgery in about a month and a half. Why did that happen? Why did it pop open? Do you know? They have no idea why it popped open. They put a mesh. So what had happened was when I had my surgeries, they put a mesh to put everything together. And they ended up taking out my abdominal. So I don't have abdominal anymore, like an abdominal wall. So they put a mesh there and the mesh just somehow broke open. It's insanely rare. 
like never happens. Of course, like 99% of this stuff never happens. So, and did you have, sorry, but did you, were, was, was there still cancer in you at that point or was that? No, this gone? was all complications Patients. after cancer. Mm -hmm. So cancer was part of it. And then after that, at first initial surgery, all of the swelling that had built up in my stomach, that is what caused the kidney and liver failure and all of these other complications. Wow. So of course, after the surgery, they had to, they couldn't stitch me back up. So they had to leave what's called an open wound procedure. They end up having to have what's called a wound back on me. And it took over a year to heal where my stomach basically had to just grow over this wound. So I had a big mesh in like huge like pack over my stomach for an entire year like an open and, hole mm -hmm. yeah I mean it wasn't like you could see everything but it was bad yeah you could see the mesh and stuff it was not good so I ended up back in the ICU room of course after the surgery and at this point I felt like I hit complete rock bottom I mean I had gone through all that stuff and now it's like setback after setback and this was just like pretty much that last thing that just pushed me over the edge. And I remember looking up, so I had a breathing tube in my mouth. I had my hand strapped to the bed so I couldn't move. <clears throat> and I just remember opening my eyes, looking at the ceiling and telling God, I said, God, I have two choices here. I can give up on my life right now, or I can say I'm in the lowest part and the only place I can go is up. And of course I took option two. Within two days, I was up off of that bed in the ICU and I had walked further than I had ever done previous to any of the times I was in the ICU. Within three days of being in there, I was out of the ICU. Within three days of the recovery, I was out of the recovery room and I was into my final stages of physical therapy where I had to pretty much relearn to do all these normal daily activities we just take for granted. Mm -hmm. I had to learn to sit from a bed. I had to learn to sit on a toilet. I had to learn to just take steps or you know go upstairs, things like that. And for about a week, week and a half, um, that's basically what I had to do. And I had tons of friends and family coming in to support me. And of course, Lauren as well, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, mm -hmm. And eventually I was released from the hospital and I was released from the hospital on March 17th of 2017. Now, if I, if you remember the beginning of the story, yes, I, remember. I met my girlfriend exactly one year from when I was released from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Talk about God putting somebody in your life for a reason. Wow. So I was in that hospital, I was in the ICU for 40 plus days. I was in the clinic for 53 days. She stayed in the hospital 53 straight days. She would wake up at six in the morning, come and visit me, fight these nurses that didn't allow in visiting hours till seven, but she had to go to work, go to work, come back. I couldn't talk 99% of the time. I was just out of it too weak. Um, I dropped from, what I told you, 190 pounds, I was now 110 pounds. I was 110 pounds from everything because I couldn't eat, I couldn't do anything. She would come in, sit there, wait, just be there for me. Same with my parents. I'd have friends and family coming in. But um, I'm telling you, you have people in your life that are there for a reason. And don't just take them for granted. You know, Use them when you need them and be grateful that they're in your life. And uh, so I got out of the hospital. And once again, this was a really difficult road to recover because I was 110 pounds and I didn't have the accountability that I did. I didn't have nurses coming in every day. I didn't have doctors coming in saying, hey, Matt, you got to do this. You got to do that. My parents had to go to work. My girlfriend had to go to work. So I had somebody kind of being there. But once again, I fell into that depression. I started falling into those excuses. I started falling into why me stop doing my physical therapy. Within two weeks, I was back in the hospital with an elevated heart rate of over 150 um, beats per minute, just standing with resting heart rate. I had my blood pressure through the roof. Um, and I was in there for about three or four days. Eventually I came out of it 
and I was over at my girlfriend's house and we were just talking and all of a sudden Lauren and I got into this really deep conversation, which completely changed my life. She basically told me, Matt, and this wasn't in a mean way, but it was a way I needed to hear it. Matt, if you're not willing to put in the work that you said you were going to put in, then why are you still here? And it was a hard truth, but I needed to hear it. You know what I did? The very next day, I picked up the two-pound dumbbell and I started doing bicep curls. That's all I did. Started doing bicep curls. Next day again. Next day, I walked a little bit further. Next day, I just kept progressing and progressing, eating a little bit healthier. Three months goes by. I gained 20 to 30 pounds. Four to five months goes by. I gained another 10 to 15 pounds. I'm now 145, 150 pounds. Really cool last story of faith. I end up, um, you know, I'm pretty healthy at this time. I'm not nowhere near like where I need to be, but I'm definitely healthier than I was. About 145, 150 pounds. I go back to visit my ICU nurses to share my progress with them. The first person I see when I get to the ICU room was the nurse who saved my life when I went into cardiac arrest. Wow. We locked eyes. We gave each other a hug. He said, Matt, this is the last day in the ICU room for me. I'm getting shipped to a different hospital. I would have never seen you again. I have his number now. I have his Instagram. We still talk all the time. Mm-hmm. Once again, I can't stress this enough. Like, just be grateful for the people in your life and you... I just, that's just just my story. Like you just never know who's going to be there for you. So really powerful story. Um, And now fast forward, we'll say about another year and a half to now I'm 190 pounds. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a wellness instructor. I'm a motivational speaker. And I'm here to just share with you guys that whatever adversity you're going through, you can overcome this with a strong mindset, with your support system, belief in yourself you know, you have to just be willing to put in the work and uh, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. So, uh, you know, that's my story. And, um, you know, I I just want to help impact so many people with, uh, you know, who might be going through difficult times in their life. And, And my story might not be exactly what you're going through. It doesn't have to be health related. It can be anything in life. You know, we all go through our own challenges. We all have our own stories in life. This is how I always tell people. Use your adversity as a story, as a lesson in a story to help other people so that they can relate to you and then create a story for themselves to help others. It's just a chain of just helping people and using their adversity as a story to help others. So that's my message in, in uh, story. This was amazing. I had so many questions, but I just wanted you to finish uh, this. This was, um, I mean, thank you for still being here. Or thank you're God, welcome. Whoever, whoever we all believe in, you know, this higher yes. That's what I wanted to say first. And then where do you think that mindset comes? Yeah, absolutely. Mindset is a tricky thing. You don't, it's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. It's like training your, your physical body. You have to train your mind too. Um, sometimes when you go through a tragic thing like that, you have no option. Like it was either, scary as it sounds, it was either death or survival for me. And obviously using the support, using my faith um, and my background of, I was a personal trainer before I was always healthy. I was always fit. Um, My dad was always strong in um, really pushing me to become the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And my mom was really strong in my faith. So I had two big things that could could help me that kind of collided together and really helped mesh me with my mindset. But trust me, like I told you, there was times where I made those excuses. I had those self-doubts. I had that worry of judgment when I would lose my hair, I'd worry what people would think of me, but Mm -hmm. guess what? You get over it. You eventually realize that it's not the end of the world. It's not as big as you make it up to be. 
And um, well, you know, yours was really as big as we made you made it up to be. Yours was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact of how how often you had to dig yourself mm. out of something and how often you had to stand back up. I'm just in awe. This is incredible. Thanks. Well, you, you know what? It's a, yeah, I 100% want to write a book. And you yeah, know yeah. what? I think my book's gonna be a lot about um, dealing with setbacks too, because yeah. we always sometimes we'll get one setback and then we'll try to push forward and then we'll get another setback and we'll just let it go and we'll say, I'm done. I give right. up. Right. You can't give up. Cause guess what? That light at the end of the tunnel is so much closer than you think. Mm -hmm. It really is. It might just be one more push forward to get 20 steps forward, but sometimes you have to take three steps back and take one forward, three steps back, one forward. And then guess what? You'll propel yourself forward. It's like a slingshot. You just keep coming back, coming back and eventually you're gone. So, um, you know, you use your setbacks as a learning tool. Use your setbacks as a way to be a better version of yourself. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, I'm telling you that failure is the key to success. Mm -hmm. It is failure and setbacks are the key to success adversity. So right. I couldn't agree more. Are there any things that you did, any uh, routines, anything that you did to when you were really down that you could rely on? Maybe Lauren. Where's Lauren yeah. now? Yeah, so me and Lauren are doing amazing. We actually, this is our apartment here. I have like a little nice shelf. But yeah, we just moved in like three months ago. We're not married. Congratulations. Thank you. We're not married or anything yet, but uh, we're just growing. I would say that like circumstance pretty much made us grow so much quicker. Like we went from just being boyfriend and girlfriend to like, really getting to know each other on a different level but then guess what like after all of that we never actually got to be or boyfriend and girlfriend we never got to go on trips together we never really got to hang out as like a couple and she would always help me recover she was basically like my everyday physical therapist for a good year and a half to two years but now for the past probably year and a half we've really been working together to build this relationship to build everything and it's just we're so much stronger now and, and I'm just grateful to have her in my life. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. So listening to this, I almost feel like you met Lauren. She came into your life to help you fight this, right? I mean, it sounds she like this was always in your path and someone sent Lauren to you to get, to give you that love, and that strength to get you through that. Absolutely. And I feel like we um, are going to be a team together. Like I feel like, with our message, like I can see both of us on stage together as a couple, because a lot of people who um, are going through stuff, they have a lot of family members that are dealing with it on the other end, just like she did, just like my parents did. But she can take it and really relay this message in a different way that not many people can. So I think like me telling how I went through it, but then her on the other side of it. And I think like we can be really powerful in sharing the, this message out together. And, uh, you know, God definitely brought her into my life, like no questions about it. Um, and I'm grateful for it every single day. You know, you have to live with gratitude. And every day, one of my things of gratitude is having her in my life. So yeah, love is powerful. Yeah. Um, so how do you go from someone who almost died? I don't know how many times to <laughs> a strong fit personal trainer? How do you? Yep. How do you get there? Great question consistency, mm -hmm. consistency, consistency, consistency. Do not let off the pedal. Like you just have, when you're in fitness, so say for any of you out there who might be in a fitness journey, you're trying to gain weight or you're trying to lose weight. 
you have to be consistent. There's no magic pill. You just need to eat. You know, it's not like you need to have this crazy diet either. You need to just start eating healthier, start working out consistently. You don't have to work out seven days a week. What if you just did three days a week of 20 to 30 minutes of exercise, but you're consistent every single week instead of going four days and then taking two weeks off and then wondering why you didn't see any results. So you need to be consistent. Don't overcomplicate it and don't get so hard on yourself. If you don't see the results you want to see right away, it's okay. Like I just said, you're going to get setbacks, but it's those setbacks that propel you forward. Because guess what? You learn from it. You're like, okay, well, why didn't I lose this weight this week? Or why am I not seeing the physique I want to see? Or why am I not seeing just the progress in general? You learn from that and then you become a better person and a better version of yourself from that. So I would say consistency is number one. Don't get too hard on yourself and don't overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. So can you do every exercise? I can. Yes. Thank you goodness because that has always been my like go-to when I'm stressed or like feel anxious or whatever it might be so that yes I can I would say there's a few exercises I can't do because of my stomach um you know I won't show it on here but if you want to you can go check out you know some of my social media posts um I the things I can't really do like swimming's really difficult so anything where my I'm laying flat on the ground like this way is really hard for me because my stomach's facing that way mm-hmm. and I don't have any abdominal wall to help me. I can't do ab exercises. So I guess that's a cool thing. I don't have to do abs anymore. I don't <laughs> have them, but it's, oh no, that's a big thing too, guys. I want to just say one thing. Don't compare yourself to others because for the longest time I'd be like, I want a six pack so that I can look like this person. Well, guess what? I can never have one again, but guess what? I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about being the best version of me. That's it. Don't worry what other people look like or think of you. You just have to keep being the best version of yourself. So um, there's some things I can't do, but I try to I, I try to have no limitations on my life. Like I try to do as much as I can, but I also am very conscious of like, hey, I'm not going to go out and hurt myself doing it. So mm-hmm. um, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's just so powerful. We're all stuck, stuck in this. I need this. I need this to be happy. I need money. I need fame. I need a good, perfect body, right? And Someone who has gone really through through hell and back and stripped all that, stripped all these superficial uh, things that you think you need in your life um, and comes out of that. It's just, it's so pure and it's so vulnerable and it's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I think real quick, when you have nothing left in life, like I really did have nothing like to, I was done. I had nothing. When you have that, that's when I think your perspective really changes, you know, because, you know, you realize whenever I have a difficult time in life now, I can look back at that moment and see how grateful I am to be in this spot. Don't get me wrong. I still have those days where I'm like, man, I wish I was more, you know, I had this financial success right now, or I wish I had this physique right now. But then I look back at the difficult times and say, look at what I've overcome. Look what I've accomplished. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to keep pushing forward. And two to five years from now, I'm going to look back at this time and be like, damn, I'm grateful for where I'm at now and just keep pushing forward. So well, you're unstoppable now. I mean, what can happen now? What can happen now? Yeah. I hear you. So where do people, where, where can we find you? Where do people uh, online find you? Where can we hear you speak? hundred percent. So online, social media, um, Instagram's my number one. I post on it at least once a week. I try to do stories. I try to do main posts. Uh, What's your handle? Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y underscore Odie. Um, and Odie spelled O-D-E. Yep. 
So you can look at me on Instagram. You can look, just type in Matt Odie uh, in Facebook. Um, I have two accounts. One got um, hacked. So don't go go to the one where I am posing and um, you know I have my scar showing. Go to that one. So Facebook, I just am about to launch my website, so you can always go check it out there. It's mustaches for for matt.com. So when I was telling you about the race, that's going to be my brand going forward is mustaches for Matt. Mm -hmm. So doing my motivational speaking and um, with motivational speaking, I'm just trying to get on as many platforms, many you know podcasts, um, stages, just so I can share my message and help so many people on such a larger scale. I actually spoke at Social X in uh, August, and that was an amazing experience. Spoke to probably around 150 people, and just the feedback and um, you know what people shared story-wise to me of what they're going through just made me realize that this is my purpose and what I'm meant to be doing. So um, those are my main ones. You can go on LinkedIn as well. My name just Matt Odie. LinkedIn as well, and uh, yeah, those are my main. And I have a YouTube channel too. Sorry, I, I'm trying to get on all yeah, platforms. Yeah. I'm going Gary V style on here. Um, yeah. Just don't post as much on all of them. But yeah, you, uh, YouTube, you can check me out. Um, mustaches for Matt as well. Awesome. Do you train too still? Can people find you in yep. personal training with you in Ohio? Uh, so it's really difficult because I actually work for a company where I have about 30 clients that I train, but mm -hmm. they're all employees. So I get a salary base. And then I'm also a wellness director for that entire company, which has around 400 employees. So Right now, that's my full-time job, and then speaking, and I'm going to start doing life coaching, but I'm not, I'm not fully there yet, so I won't even promote it at this time, but mm -hmm. for speaking, um, if you want to check out my website, go to my website, and I have a speaking page on there. You can check it out. I do business talks, um, more just sharing my story, but like business leadership. I go to colleges and also like different health industries, so organizations, cancer organizations, or even hospitals, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing if you could go to, you know, and uh, to talk to, to talk to children, maybe to talk to parents, yeah. just your whole um, not giving up setback after setback after setback and not giving up. I just the whole time was picturing parents right now. I don't know, because I have a sick child at home. Not yeah. of this, but, you know, I'm in, this, <laughs> I'm in this mindset right now of thinking of parents that are camping out in ERs right now with sick children. And I feel like yeah. we, that's totally your purpose. That's where Thank I see you, you know, that's, because, yeah. That's a passion of mine. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've shared this on any podcast yet, but my ultimate goal in life is to be able to start an organization where I can financially help parents whose kids are going through tragic times. Um, that is a massive uh, goal of mine. I want to be able to be able to pay for a young adult or a child's cancer bill because it can get very difficult mentally um, when it comes to that stuff. And that's my main mission. It's not just that, but also to help um, these young adults, especially since that's what I, you know, the age I was at, um, overcome these tragic events when they're done with cancer, you know, going through it. So, um, you know, a lot of missions, a lot of thoughts on my mind, but I'm just beginning and just want to help a lot. Of but you already have a name, right? Mustaches for Matt, and you bring like all those. For we already have already <laughs> I don't have a mustache right now, but. <laughs> Not right now, yeah. But you can bring yeah. like little ones for the kids and stuff. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and one last thing, actually, uh, and I don't know if anybody is listening from Cleveland, but if you are, I am hosting a race in April, a 5k race, and uh, proceeds are going to be going to uh, Allman Cancer Fund, which is a young adult um, cancer organization. 
And uh, it's, it's in Cleveland. You can go, once again, to my mustaches for Matt website. And uh, have a race page there as well. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I'm in awe. I'm honored to be on here. Seriously. No, I mean, you're, you're wonderful. This is so Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I'll be happy to share this. Um, and as soon as you're ready to start posting it, I will be glad to help in any way I can. So are you cancer-free now? Uh, January this year will be officially three years. So 2020. 2020 will be officially three years cancer-free. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. This has been amazing. I'm, I'm so inspired right now. So oh, I wish you all you. the best of luck. You and Lauren, right? I can't. Thank you. Yes, Lauren. Here right now. She has a big nah. part in all this. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your journey. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I look forward to working together in the future for sure. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll keep right. in touch. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much.